0: Hello and welcome to the Wild Dan Wonderful Podcast. Today I have with me my pastor, Pastor Rick Knight of Living Waters Family Worship Center.
1: Great to be with you, Dan. I'm
0: super stoked to have you in, Pastor. Uh, You are one of my favorite people. You're my mentor. You are my pastor. Um, And... What was that? Argos. What? Yeah, Blowing up dynamite. No way! Yeah. I've never heard that before. Yeah, That was the first time I ever heard that.
1: Yeah, yeah. We feel it about once a month.
0: Wow. Well, that was crazy. I can't believe that we just uh, felt dynamite.
1: Yeah, you you will feel like someone's blowing you up. (laughs) Or that the war's going on.
0: Hopefully there's no wars, no... uh, Who are the Hatfields and McCoys? That's West Virginia, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Southern West Virginia. Yes,
0: Southern West Virginia. So... I am so excited to interview you today, Pastor, because we share a lot in common. Um, uh, you were a youth pastor f- for how many years?
1: 25 plus years. 25
0: yes. plus years. You were a uh, worship leader for?
1: Uh, probably 30 plus years.
0: 30 plus years. And how long have you been a senior pastor? Uh,
1: I have pastored, uh, let see, uh, actually uh, four different works. I pastored in Doddridge County at the age of 20 as my first church I pastored for a year and a half which is considered (laughs) a longevity pastor for a pastor of 20. Um, Then I pastored a a, um, I went with the Assemblies of God for 10 years and in that time I did an interim pastorate at a small country church of about 25 people uh, until the flood of 85 washed the church away and they never reestablished it and um, then I pastored a Community church of about 45, and uh, we pastored there for about uh, a year and a half, two years. And then this is uh, a pastor church in Chattanooga, and we pastored there for about two years. And now we've been going on seven years here at Living Waters Family Worship Center.
0: So, all said, probably about 12 years?
1: Yeah, probably around that. Yeah.
0: I didn't do the math. I just not it. It sounds good, though. 12 years sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I lead worship, and I'm a youth pastor. And I, it's exciting to me to have you as my. Well, we call you a lead pastor. Other places we call you a senior pastor. I know you don't like the term senior pastor. I don't think I'm that old yet. <laughs> From in Ohio, they call it. They, they give you the golden buckeye card. And you get all your little dis, senior discounts.
1: Yeah, I'd take that, but I, I just wouldn't no. be called lead pastor.
0: <laughs> now, what what's the age for becoming a senior?
1: Now, I I have my. AARP card. Oh, okay, well, but I got that back when I was fifty-two, so oh, okay. I'm fifty-six now. Well, For know, the listening audience, I'm fifty-six years old.
0: You know what they say: the new, the fifty-two is the new fifty-six. Huh? Oh, it's I right. mean, oh,
1: yeah, the fifty-six <laughs> is the new fifty-two.
0: <laughs> well, fifty-six is really the new forty-two. Yeah. Um, because I don't feel fifty-six. No, and you don't look fifty-six, and you are a pastor who has a lot of energy. Um, a lo- you're always doing stuff. We're always busy here at the church and you pretty much run circles around a lot of us younger guys oh I don't know about that but
1: I appreciate the thought
0: well definitely i I witnessed you firsthand go from uh, a meeting to visitation to preaching a service and it's like i'm I, I'm I don't know how you keep up sometimes
1: well it's uh the good graces of our God the good hand of the Lord is upon me according to Nehemiah 218 so
0: so how do you how do you stay fresh how do you because you're just boom 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 go 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 all the time
1: uh well, my wife is a big part of that because she makes me shower every other day <laughs> now I'm teasing. Um, no staying fresh is just basically uh, uh, keeping your your i don't like just call it daily devotions because that makes it sound so ritualistic, but just your love affair with Christ um, passionate making sure that you're in touch with him and uh, his heartbeat because it's all about him anyway.
0: That's awesome. One of the things that I really want to talk to you about is longevity. And you have been at this for a long time. You've been through ups and downs. How do you stick with it? How, where does that come from?
1: That That's a very good question, Dan. Uh, there's been several young ministers that have asked me about longevity. And Sheila and I have always been uh, our heart has always been a heart of longevity, meaning that we've always desired to stay at one place for long periods of time to where the Lord would uh, lead us to another place. And um, we we didn't find that much in youth ministry because of, you know, it, it, it's just a known fact. Sometimes when you become a youth pastor, if, uh, if the pastor... Just doesn't like what you're doing anymore. They just ask you to move on or they, they'll make it difficult for you to stay. And uh, there's
0: great turnover in youth pastors. Yeah. I, it's, uh, they don't quite rival the worship leader turnover. I think that's nine months yeah. is the worship leader turnover. Well, uh,
1: at one time, the national average for youth pastors was six months. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So when we stayed at a place for two years, we were considered senior youth pastors <laughs> because we stayed there four times the national national average, but um, that that's it's very sad because um, a lot of times it, a multi staff congregation is is totally about relation uh, relationships, and if you aren't able to establish relationships with your staff, then you know there's there's no way people are going to stick around. Um, sometimes I, I, I've always called youth pastoring a calling on my life. Uh, I've always felt all my life that I would be a youth pastor into my eighties or nineties. And some people laugh at that, but it's true. I mean, it Sheila and I always thought we would be a part of youth pastoring. Um, a wise youth pastor once told me when I was trying out for a youth pastor and here I, here I was at the age of um at that time i was uh 47 years of age and i'm trying out as a youth pastor and i didn't get the position of course i was a few years older than the pastor <laughs> and uh i was more educated and uh uh he um we were both like alpha males so we we're i could see where we'd be buttonheads heads down the road type thing. but anyway um what happened with that though is i didn't I didn't take the. I was actually offered the youth pastor, but I didn't take it because there were some stipulations that they made that I felt were um, not necessary. And uh, the pastor said, "Well, if you can't abide by them, then you know we don't need you." And I said, "Well, that's fine. We're just part as friends, and that's that's cool. You know, God has a plan." So, um, but what happened was, uh, it just. a youth pastor told me, he says. Hey Rick, what's wrong with being a uh, a lead pastor? And I said, Well, to be honest with you, I used to, I used to make fun of senior pastors, and I say that jokingly. Of course, I didn't make fun of, him. but people would ask me why don't you be a senior pastor? And I, and I would joke and say, uh, because I want to do something with my life, you know that thing, and. Um, <laughs> And and that's totally joking. Senior pastors, I am one now, or I'm a lead pastor now. I'm not, haven't quite made it to senior pastor, but um, I feel
0: like that senior pastor call's just coming
1: on you, right? Yeah, now. it's just, it's just it's all, all over, over me. <laughs> so uh, uh, somebody help me now. So uh, I know you're out there. Can I hear a name So what happens is, I, um, the youth pastor told me said, uh, Pastor Rick, you have a youth pastor's heart. He says, and I can't think of a greater position for a youth pastor to be in as lead pastor that way he could divert the resources that he wants into a church that needs youth ministry when we came here at living waters uh, we didn't the nursery was not open it was open but nobody came there was no babies in the nursery uh, we had four in our youth ministry we had uh, um, a few in uh, downstairs children's church and and to me uh and I'm speaking everybody knows I love my church so this isn't speaking against my church but just starting out I was like this is embarrassing I'm a I'm a former youth pastor that used to run you know anywhere from uh 75 youth to working with a youth ministry that ran over 300 so I'm thinking why why can't we get youth in this church and I, I stood up before the church one day and I told them I said I'm going to be totally honest with you as your pastor, I said I will always be honest with you. And one of the things I want you to realize is that if we don't emphasize youth and children uh, and a nursery, uh, that within five years you can close the doors of these church because it'll no longer be open, uh, and because you know the the public doesn't want to come to a church that's dying.
0: Well, that's that's any church, and and if I actually heard a stat from Barna and it's millennials okay and we're even past millennials now we're into uh, the digital natives generation now but millennials will they it's a uh, more millennials will go to a church where they emphasize millennials when when they when they overvalue millennials millennials will come to that church and right now what we all have kids like, uh, and a lot of, for whatever reason, Christian millennials, we have all the kids. Yeah. So, so when you provide things, you've like, got over half of them. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm four and a half deep right now. So, but when you provide things like that's actually why my wife came here. She knew that she had a nursery. We knew you from uh, a previous relationship. So we knew of you, but my wife kno- knew, Hey, they've got a nursery there. Um, our church that we're going to at the time didn't have a nursery. And she was like, this is where I'm going. You can come or not. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I ended up coming. and It's a whole different story. But it's uh, amazing to me that just having a nursery and putting the emphasis on uh, young people can help grow your church that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and I really believe... Uh, and I, I used to say this as you, Pastor, that the next great revival is going to come through, through the young people. And if we don't, if we don't cater to the young people, if we don't look and nurture them and and prepare them as the soil for the soon coming revival, I believe that we're going to miss God in in the harvest that He uh, wants to have for all of His churches. Um, we have to look prophetically over our young people. And our children, that they are good soil. We need to raise them in the soil of God's word. We need to nurture them in the Holy Spirit, so that they'll be prepared for the revival that's coming.
0: Man, yeah, I like what you said there about looking prophetically over our children, our young people, because so many times, people have looked at youth and looked at people, and looked at young people, and said, "I don't know how these guys are going to make it." You know, these millennials—they have no work ethic. The gen the the well the Gen Zers the mm-hmm. the digital natives they look at them and they're like their nose is always buried in a phone how are they going to make it but you're saying we have to look prophetically and call out the good in these generations we have to see what God has put specifically in these people groups
1: now I'm I'm one that I don't mind being corrected but if you look at the great charismatic movement of the sixties and seventies that later reached into the eighties um, both Found its main roots within the sixties and seventies during the Jesus movement. A lot of people said the same thing about the young people at, uh, of that time that they're rebellious. Uh, you know, they're a bunch of hippies. Uh, you know, I know of one church that the pastor had such a vision for the for the hippies of the sixties and seventies that um, when he led them to the Lord and discipled them, they're the ones that became the doctors and lawyers, and they're the ones that stated his church and grew the church to over 10,000. So, um, you know, we have to understand when we look at our our youth today, if, if if we tap into the resource of who they are and and the potential they have, then we'll see down the road, so to speak, uh, a great outpouring of God's spirit and how God is going to do a great work in their midst.
0: Man, that would be awesome. Do you, you have any advice? I don't know if there's other youth pastors out there that struggle with this, but... You know, I have a—well, I guess this is a good thing. I have a lot of youth who are newly saved or have never really heard the gospel or never really engaged with the gospel, didn't grow up in a Christian home. I I have right about—that rotate in and out, probably about 25 youth that rotate in and out, and I would say 70% of those youth are unchurched, Um, have parents who could care less about them coming to church, I would say fifty percent of my kids' parents don't know they even come to church. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they just know they're out there somewhere.
0: They, they just know they're out there somewhere. And like, what would you, what advice would you give to a youth pastor with, uh, in regards to discipling young people who are just meeting Jesus for the very first time?
1: Um, what work I can tell you what worked for Sheila and I. I believe it works today. And as I mentioned before, I believe that relationships is the biggest part of youth ministry. Uh, the kids that we worked with in youth ministry uh, came from varying backgrounds. You had church kids that were raised in church all their lives. You had foster kids that were raised in foster care the majority of their lives. You had kids that were urban, that were uh, that may not have had much education in, in church. But for some reason, God just graced us and we had a good fit with these kids because uh, they just all came together and, and really meshed together real well. But I, I believe the key was that God gave us a relationship with all those kids that uh, many of the foster kids called me dad, um, and which shows me that they were longing for a relationship with a, a, a male role model that, that would uh, um, represent good values and, and uh, integrity to them, uh, not someone that was going to abuse them or hurt them um and the same with Sheila they called her mom so it's one of those things where we build a relationship with the foster kids that way now the church kids uh i was always uh pastor Rick or PR um Sheila was always sister Sheila and we we dealt with the, the church kids you know and tried to get them out of the wrong teaching they were involved in sometimes because you know it was just about religion it wasn't about a relationship with Jesus Christ and then you had uh, urban kids that you know. One of the things that I think they respected is that we didn't try to be like urban kids. You know, <laughs> I never wore my pants below my hips. I never uh, uh, wore my hat sideways. You know, other than goofing off. So you know, it, I never tried. Uh, I never tried to act younger than I was. So I never tried to act, uh, you know, um, cooler or anything like that. Because they weren't looking for that. They're looking for uh, authenticity. And I think authenticity is one of the greatest attributes of any youth pastor that they can be authentic and truthful and, and just be real in, in front of the, the kids. I think that's probably one of the number one things that they'll perk up and listen to because if you're being authentic with them, they've had enough of the false. You know, They've had enough of hypocrisy. They've had enough of what they've seen as religion. They want something authentic. They want something real. And if youth pastors can portray that and their wives can portray that, then I think, they'll be ahead of the game in the long run.
0: I think you're right. One of the things that you mentioned and something that you told me when when you first uh, asked me to be the youth pastor here was uh, about relationships and how important relationships are. That's the number one thing we need to establish. And one of the things that you said was a good way to do that was making memories. Oh, yeah. And, like, we have had just the greatest time making memories with our young people. And through that, because... There's a lot that is involved in getting a trip together, or going somewhere with your youth. You got to have all these forms filled out, and which I am absolutely terrible at the forms. You know, like I just I try to pawn they're that off. They're necessary, of my... Dan.
1: They're necessary.
0: I, I know they're necessary. <laughs> I just don't like doing them. But I pawn that off of my wife, or you know, whoever will accept the responsibility of passing out forms and collecting forms and keeping forms. And uh, I actually have a one of the ladies at our church made me a box to put forms in. So, I have a box where forms go. Oh, that's nice. I know it's wonderful. Um, But uh, (laughs) I almost forgot where I was going with that. But making memories has actually, because you have to fill out the forms and because you have to do that, you actually interact with the parents and you get to know the parents. And some of the parents of my um, newly saved kids, you know, they're not saved at all. They're not living for the Lord. And I never would have got to meet them unless, you know, they had to come deliver the. The uh form to me, you know, because I have some kids where I don't trust the form when it comes back, yeah <laughs> I have no idea who signed it <laughs> exactly because they got back here
1: really fast, and it looks like they signed it they <laughs> say, how do you think why do you think I signed it because it looks just like your your signature <laughs> <in the way. laughs>
0: You know it's funny uh with with the younger kids that I have, like some of them did not know where they lived, <laughs> some of them, there was just like all kinds of questions that I'd ask them. And it's, I wonder if you have any insight into this. How do you reach a generation who is socially awkward? Um, I feel like some of our kids are stunted by technology, yeah. you know? And it's, for a few of them, it's easy to start up conversation and easy to talk to them because they interact with adults on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. But some of them, it's like they just... They look deep into your eyes and you
1: see nothing. <laughs> well, it's because our kids aren't trained to interact. They're not trained to, they are socially awkward. Um, we're living in a generation, to what I notice, and, and I've shared this with you before, Dan, that I, I feel for me to be a youth pastor today would be very difficult for me because I'm very interactive, and if I don't get that in, interaction back, I feel kind of frustrated, uh, and I, I'm sure you may be Dude. the same way. But what I feel we need to do is, like Jesus was very counterculture. He um, he was one that he is very authentic, very real. But he he countered the culture. He he says, "Look, are you tired of religion? Then take my yoke upon you." You know, um, he he said, "I didn't come to uh, destroy the law. I came to fulfill it." Um, here you've heard people say. Um, Eye for an eye tooth for a tooth i'm saying if someone strikes you on the cheek turn to them the other also well you know you know it's very counter culture counter religion than what they were taught you know it's like no you hit me in the eye i'm gonna hit you in the eye you you take knock out my tooth i'm gonna knock out your tooth and jesus says no the my commandments that you love one another and so it's like what what do you what is this strange religion you know that thing so with kids that are not able to interact I just want to say that if you counter that culture, uh, interact with them, it may be foreign to them. They may say, "This guy's speaking a strange language because it's not in text." You know, right. um, we don't, you know, hashtag awkward. hashtag You know, we don't we don't talk like that, of course. But I mean, if we if we were to talk to them, um, I, I shared with you about asking open ended questions. Don't don't ever ask a question that you know, a one-word response will answer it. Ask a question, you know, instead of saying, how's your day going? Fine, you know, say, tell me what was your favorite part of the day? They can't answer with fine or yes or no or anything. It has to actually have a sentence to it, so they actually have to form speech with their mouth. (laughs) They actually have to think about what they're going to say and say it, so, you know, countering their culture with that and causing them to be in an area of discussion what kids love to do—they do love to text, but uh, some of them may like to write. Um, I, you know, you watch movies like *Freedom Writers* and stuff like that, where a teacher actually got a whole class to journal their lives and tell about their lives and share their story in front of other people, which brought about a revolution in that that class. That a lot of the kids that weren't even bound to, where well, they were looking to fail high school, actually went on to graduate college. So. You know it's how you counteract or I think um, we need to be really imaginative with our kids you know how what's the best way to communicate to them I don't think texting is I don't think messenger or snapchat is you know now they may think that but it just minimizes what they're able to do I think we need to challenge young people to step up they need to challenge them for something higher now one thing I found in our youth ministry years is that we were among young people that they not they actually loved the word they loved hearing me preach or teach but one thing they loved more than anything else was missions trips and the do of the gospel going out and doing the gospel of Jesus Christ going out and you know putting a roof on a house of somebody whose roof was leaking they loved that because they felt like they were doing something for God you know so um, there's many different ways and I'm sure there's many different experts far greater than me as far as uh, uh, they could give greater insight to that. But that's what I would do.
0: Yeah. I think uh, keeping your youth group missional, you know, and oh, yeah. and keeping them doing stuff like that is for me, I think the times that we've seen the greatest growth is when we were on some sort of mission and, you know, it's, it's so tough to not get discouraged because it's up and it's down. And it's, two weeks ago we had 20, Last week we had 12. Like, so aggravating, you know. Uh, And so it's just, it's up and down, it's up and down. And the conversation is sometimes, it is frustrating, like you say, to like try to communicate with someone who just cannot communicate on your level. Yeah. Or doesn't want to. It's funny because you talk about open-ended questions. I have had open-ended questions met with silence more times than I ever had in my entire life. Yeah, but <laughs> but it's the the longevity that we talked about earlier to stick with it because I do have a heart for young people, yeah. and my wife does have a heart for young people, and you know we just you have to wade through the awkward moments. Our our friends, um, the Digs, I think their uh, their family saying is embrace the awkward. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and sometimes you, you just have to wade through it and. You know, let the awkward hit you and just uh, love them through that.
1: Well, I had a great rapport with our our kids mainly because of one main thing, and I don't know if you picked up on this, but I have a sarcastic wit. But I, I've I've been able to, uh, you know, sarcasm and kidding around with young people. Some of them love it; they thrive on it. Some of them are like that. That offends me and it hurts me. And and I tell them, I said, "Oh, look, I only." I only pick on the ones I really love, so you know if you, I, I won't pick on you anymore. And they'll be like, "No, no, I want you to pick on me," you know that type thing. Uh, but it, it worked for us, you know that we were, you know, like if there's an awkward silence, I would sit down next to him and I'd have a conversation with myself, and you know, <laughs> and then next thing you know, they're laughing. And what are you laughing at? You're because you're talking to yourself. Well, it's because I don't have anybody else to talk to, you know, and 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 just and I just make basically a fool of myself to get them to laugh or, or to break the ice, you know, type thing. And uh, I remember one time we moved the middle school class on a Wednesday night down with the high school class because the middle school teacher said that they, they felt like they were done teaching middle schoolers. And I said, well, we don't have a teacher. Well, we're going to blend them. I said, I'll take them both. I'll take middle school and high school. And so the middle school came down. And, uh, and so I, I went around the class and I greeted everybody. I'm greeting the middle schoolers. And I shook this one girl's hand. And I said, "We're so glad to have you tonight." Like that, and she goes, "Oh yeah, right." She says, "You don't even know our names." And I said, "Oh, you mean so and so, so and so, and so and so?" You know, I, I said their names, and their mouth dropped open. I said, "Yeah, I know your names. I know who you are." I said, "I know who your parents are." I said, uh, "But we're glad to have you with, here tonight, you know." Okay. And and they were just—they were so shocked by that. Believe it or not, they were so shocked by that that after that night, they loved every every night after that you know so
0: well i'm sure and like that's because you have a heart for youth and when you have a heart for youth like you 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 pick up on that extra stuff and i mean there there are times where your youth group's so big where you can't literally yeah. learn everybody's names but like you know that you just go that extra mile because you care mm-hmm. uh one of the the last thing i want to talk to you about before we wrap it up is <clears throat> it's something that you pointed to earlier that when you talked about foster kids, they want they wanted a father, and you have fathered and mentored several people. You know, through your time as a pastor and youth pastor, you've brought up you know uh, just several awesome ministers, people who are in ministry today, um, doing well, super healthy and successful. Um, when you when you're fathering somebody, what what do you what do you look for what what um what makes you want to father young believers?
1: Um I like what Craig Richelle said one time, that no one should ever go to someone and say, Will you mentor me? That mentorship is a is a natu- a natural draw. Um you can't you can't make you know, you can't make that relationship happen. You just it just happens. And uh with our young people we like you said, we had several young people that just uh were drawn to us. Matter of fact, That's where youth pastors get in trouble with others. And I don't say there's anything wrong with this because um, what I'm about to say is because a lot of people say, well, you have your favorites. And, And I've addressed that before with people. I said, well, yeah. Uh, Pastor Rick does have his favorites, you know, and they're like, he admits it. I can't believe it. The truth has come out, you know. And I said, well, let me share with you who my favorites are. First of all, the first top three favorites is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're my ultimate favorites. No one will ever, ever compare to them. Said, uh, you know, the fourth one is my wife. She's my favorite. Then my two kids are my favorite. Then my three grandkids, they're my favorite. You know. And I went down. I said, now, the rest are are investments. I said, "Um, if you look at young people like like stock market and and I'm not belittling that because it's all based on relationship. When you look at uh, young people's stock market, then it's about investment. Who, who is showing the most interest, who's showing the most passion, who is connecting with you on your level Um, where others are just like, Oh, when are we going to play games? You know, or, you know, or they're rolling their eyes or they're looking at their watch or they can't wait to get out of there. The, can't wait to get to the next ball game, or you know, their interest really isn't in the things of God. Well, you're drawn to those that whose interest is in the things of God, and uh, we we did that successfully uh, at a church we ministered at in Maryland, where um, we use positive peer pressure very well, where the 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 peers of those that uh, those that were interested in God created within our youth group a positive peer pressure that drew other young people toward the things of God. That's so awesome. So the discipleship became very strong. We would take, you know, 15 uh, young people on a missions trip at the end of the year after we did a discipleship challenge. But what happened with that is I would invest in young people. And I, and I addressed it to the young people this way. I said, uh, I said put yourself in my shoes. Put yourself where I'm standing I said, and answer me these questions. I said, first of all, um, if let's say over on this side you have uh, people that are sitting with their Bible open, their notebook open, they're taking notes about everything you say. I said, and they're looking at you and hanging on every word. Okay. And then you look at the other side of the room, and they're rolling their eyes and yawning, and have their arms folded, and they don't have a Bible open. You know, they're just no interest whatsoever. Who are you gonna who are you gonna pay more attention to? I said, "Go ahead and answer me that." And even the ones that had their arms folded said, "Well, I'd pay attention to them too, you know." And uh, so I said, "So that's your answer. It's not that I love them more than you. That's not the case. I love you all equally. I really do. But who I invest in may be a little bit different, because you're not interested in what I have to say. They're interested in what I have to say. And and the seed is going into good ground. Jesus even said that." concerning the different soils, seed is going into good ground. The seed over here is falling on, on stony ground or possibly even you know um, uh, the wayward soil or even the thorny soil. They're more concerned about how popular they're going to be at school rather than how popular they are with Jesus. So you know where you plant the seed is where you're going to find your, your biggest harvest.
0: That's awesome. One of the, the things you, you wrote a book about um, fatherhood in discipleship in Christianity um, can you elaborate on the theme of your book uh, Where Are All the Fathers? Is that uh, where one? Are the Spiritual Fathers? Where Are the Spiritual Fathers can you elaborate a little bit for me on that? Yeah
1: that was my uh, master's thesis at um, seminary I wrote a book uh, called Where Are the Spiritual Fathers Mentoring Coaching and Parenting Spiritual Children Today and it, it's all based out of relationship it's all based out of what we just talked about Um Not only have I been a youth pastor, I've been a gymnastics coach, and I've been in the arenas of coaching. I've been in the arenas of mentorship and pastoring and all that. Uh, It's strictly based on relationship. It's based on uh, a spiritual relationship with spiritual children. Uh, It's a a challenge to the church uh, for older saints not to punch the time card too early and say, well, we're done, we've done our time it's for them to say you know what it's time for us to share our knowledge and our wisdom with those younger than us and go out and, uh, and quote unquote adopt um, spiritual children I mean it's almost like a big brother big sister type of uh, uh, organization you know where you encourage those that are older maybe you're maybe you're a couple in the church that can't have children well man you got plenty of children in the church that you can take in as your children, you know, and I know that there's a lot of caution that we want to use with that. And and because we, you know, make sure there's background checks, make sure there's everything legal that you're, you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's. But the thing is that we do need that in the church where people are investing in young people's lives, especially when they don't have children of their own to invest in. These are your children. They're your spiritual children. And, you know, I've, I've heard of uh, church people before that didn't have children They've always wanted children that they could send to college, and they've sent church kids to college before and paid for their tuition. That's awesome, you know. And awesome. situation that situations like that are just amazing, and that's basically what the the book goes in. Of course, to other things like the uh, the anthropology of family, and of course it had to be written. It has to be written more on uh, educational level because of the degree I'm getting. But um, it, it's it's going to come out not only as a a uh, educational level book, but also uh, it's going to be rewritten and edited for uh, lay readers. Those that you know just want the information that it has.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, um, Pastor. It was, it's always awesome talking to you. Always I, good
1: talking I, to you, Dan. I
0: always have a wonderful time. This time I didn't have coffee, um, so yeah, no, it's kind of disappointing. Didn't, didn't bring me coffee, but water with Pastor. But. Uh, Pastor, you have a few things that you do that I, that I love that I want to plug here for you. Coffee with Pastor on WRNR. Um, that's one hundred six point five. One
1: hundred six point five FM, seven forty AM.
0: And it's at seven AM on Sunday mornings. Yes. And soon to be on Apple Podcasts. I just figure out how to get my hosting oh. done today, so that stuff will all be on Apple Podcasts very soon, and uh, Stitcher for the Android users like myself. <laughs> <laughs> sadly and then one other thing that I love that you do is leadership meeting and that's with the exclusion of this month it's the third Sunday of every month mm-hmm. the, that Sunday night at 6pm you do a leadership teaching um, can you kind of plug like why, why you have a leadership teaching and who it's for
1: well uh, I call every even leader or volunteer in our church I call them leaders because they're leading someone and I believe that each of us have a sphere of influence. And we we all need to be on the same page. If we're, if you know, it's like if you look at uh, a crewing team, the team that's in the sleek uh, uh, rowing boat and they're all stroking <laughs> at the same. You know, just think if everybody's stroked differently and everything, you know, some are pushing the oar the other way, you know, what a mess. And, and, and uh, you'd probably be going in circles or you'd be going at least off course into the, the marsh reeds and you know um be a lot of frustration and a lot of trying to get on track but when everybody's in in the same stroke and everybody's experiencing the same thing then it's a smooth ride and and it's effective and and people win championships that way and they win uh, great trophies and and that's what we're actually shooting for we're shooting for a great re- reward and so the leadership teachings that we try to bring everybody together so that the ore can move through the water at the same pace and that we can be on the same course together. That's why I have the leadership meetings.
0: And, you know, these are these are open to anybody, not just our church. Right. And, like, honestly, some business leaders who don't even go to church might actually benefit from this
1: because— Some great principles.
0: What I think about when it comes to pastors is you're working with a group of, you know, roughly 100 to 120 people. Um, you're working with a group of maybe fifteen to thirty volunteers, and you have to organize them and motivate them to work for absolutely free. Yeah, <laughs> and you know you don't have um, the money to pay you know multiple staff, and you are uh, you are uh, motivating and organizing all these people. Yeah, and that's I feel like your teachers are great that way because you you have a lot to accommodate for, you know, because you're not just, these aren't people who this is their job. These are people who are volunteering and giving of them themselves, and yet somehow you find a way to motivate these people towards a goal. So it's good for everybody. Because I, I believe a pastor who's a Christian leader, they have to work so much harder than someone who might be a CEO or, or a business. I, I work for a, a business, and... I would much rather (laughs) do that than be a be a lead pastor because it's you have everything's on you, and if someone doesn't volunteer to do it, guess who's doing it?
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, and and it's sad, especially today. I remember just a couple days ago, I was talking to a pastor's wife, and and uh, she was talking about we were talking about a particular uh, woman that we knew that was very active in the church. And I just said, oh, man, I I wish God would give us 50 of her, you know, in our church. And I've even said that about you and your wife. I said, you know, and other couples that we've had in the church, um, I wish God would give us 50 of them. And uh, the pastor's wife says, you know, she goes, I wish that too. But she goes, Pastor, it is so hard to find anybody that will work for the kingdom of God today. I've I've been at churches where uh, they've told me, you know, to my face I was shocked I was surprised but they told me they said um, you can't tell you can't tell me what to do you don't pay me and I thought well if that's your heart I don't need you because you're a hireling you know right um, then if, if I can only motivate you with money then you know if Jesus himself can't motivate you to work for his kingdom then I'm not going to motivate you to work for his kingdom you know so uh, one thing I I I hope you've seen by now is that I try to be very real with people. I'm I don't, you know, I don't sugarcoat anything. I just say it the way it is and some people say I need a filter, but um but that's okay. You know, the Holy Spirit's my filter and as he works through me, I'll I'll, I'll be able to work that out, but I um but I tell people I said, "Look, um I people say, "Well, you get you get paid for ministry?" Let me just put that out there. You get paid for ministry. Yeah, but if I didn't get paid for ministry, I'd still be ministering. Correct. You know, um, yeah. it's just bottom line. It's just that God has provided me a place where I'm able to gain an income from ministering at a church uh, as a pastor. But, you know, um, if if this gig ended tomorrow, I'd still be employed in the kingdom of God. I'd still be working for God, you know.
0: You know, that's in our um, our creative we we have a culture statement for the creative team here. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is we are shepherds, not hirelings. Mm-hmm. And what we do is our life and it's our call and it's never our job. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd actually talked about this before. We, we won't go into it, but we talked about um, how when it becomes a job and if you're doing it for a job, you can get yourself into trouble and you can mess with your own integrity because you're staying somewhere too long, not out of your calling, not out of passion, but because it's a paycheck. Yeah. And uh, so maybe we can get into that. That'll be another show. Next time. But thank you so much for coming on. My
1: Uh, pleasure. uh, Anything else you want to plug? Uh, No, thank you for listening to Coffee with Pastor. Uh, uh, We're here at Living Waters Family Worship Center, 263 State Circle, Martinsburg, West Virginia. We have services at 9, 11, and 6, and uh, we'd love to see you out sometime. All right. Thank you, Pastor. God bless, man.